church and gather yourselves. Don't get got. Because ain't nobody got time for that. I am going to be reading from the Bible. And um, the Apocrypha. The Testament of Abraham from the Apocrypha. Now I came across this because God had revealed some things to me about... Um, these artificial lights that many have been seeing in the sky. And Pluto and Aquarius, especially the Aquarius part, uh, symbolizes artificial light. And what comes with artificial light? Things that many say don't exist. We're going to do a Bible study. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what he had revealed to me is do not be deceived. Mm -hmm. Do not be deceived. With Pluto and Aquarius, we're going to see things that we have never seen before. It's a new era. And this era is going to last for about 20 years. And then Pluto will change into Pisces which would be the end of the era. Mm -hmm. Father, in the name of Yeshua, I thank you for this time. I pray, my Heavenly Father, that you will reveal the truth to these here, your people, so they may behold the wonderful things from out of your word in the name of Yeshua. I decrease 100% that you may increase within me, that you and you alone may be glorified. And I pray the protection of Psalms 91 over myself and over all of the listeners, from the crown of our heads to the soles of our feet. And it is in Yeshua's name that I do pray. Amen. Genesis 6. I hope my music isn't too loud. Genesis 6. We're going to be talking about the Nephilim. This is the Bible. I want to, well, I'm going to just start from the beginning. Genesis chapter 6. Now it came about that when men started to grow in numbers on the surface of the ground and daughters were born of them, then the sons of the true God begin to notice the daughters of men that they were good looking and they went taking wives for themselves namely all whom they chose after that God said my spirit shall not act toward man indefinitely and that he is also flesh accordingly his days shall amount to a hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim proved to be in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of the true God continued to have relations with the daughters of men, and they bore sons to them, they were the mighty ones who were of old, the men of fame. Consequently, God saw that the badness of man was abundant in the earth and every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only bad all the time. And God felt regrets that he had made men in the earth and he felt hurt at his heart. So God said, I am going to white men whom I have created off the surface of the ground. From man to domestic animal, to moving animal and to flying creature of the heavens because I do regret that I have made them. So in this passage, I came to recognize, first of all, the Nephilims. 
and how they were different from the humans that God had created. And these different entities wanted to procreate with human beings. Going outside of the natural order of God, according to uh, verse 6, it says, And God felt regret that he had made men in the earth, and he felt hurt at his heart. This tells me that these beings had to have been attractive in order for anyone to have sex outside of their own nature. So the two things that I want to leave you with from Genesis 6 is the Nephilims that we will see in our lifetime will be attractive in appearance. I even feel some type of way about saying this. They will be attractive in appearance and they only want humans to procreate with. Procreating with something that's outside of your DNA is unnatural. Control yourself. If you happen to see something that is not of your DNA. Let us go to Numbers 13. Go to Numbers chapter 13. One second, y'all. One second, here we go, 13. And I'm going to start at verse 28 and end at verse 20. I'm sorry. I'm starting at Numbers chapter 13, verse 28 through... 33. Nevertheless, the facts are that the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the fortified cities are very great. And two, those born of Anak, we saw there, the Amalek, the Amalekites, are dwelling in the land of the Negev, and the Hittites, and the Jubasites, and the Amorites are dwelling in the mountainous region, and the Canaanites are dwelling by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. Then Caleb tried to still the people toward Moses and went on to say, let us go up directly, and we are bound to take possession of it, because we can surely prevail over it. But the men who went up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, because they are stronger than we are. And they kept on bringing forth to the sons of Israel a bad report. For the land that they had spied out, saying, The land which we passed through, to spy it out, in a land that eats up its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in the midst of it are men of extraordinary size. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who were from the Nephilim, so that we became in our own eyes like grasshoppers 
and the same way we became in their eyes. So when I read this, this told me that the Nephilims are typically taller than human beings. Let's just say the average human being height can be seven feet tall. These Nephilims were way taller than that. In order for a human to say, we must look like grasshoppers to the sons of Anak, that tells me they're really, really tall. Another thing I've noticed about this is that the scripture says the sons of Anak live in mountains. So they've been here. They've been on the earth. The other thing that I've come to notice was that the people, the sons of Israel, excuse me, has recognized that the Nephilims, of course, were stronger than them because they were human beings. They were dealing with something that would be seen as extraterrestrial, right? The other thing that I've come to notice is that these Nephilims crunch on human beings. I hate to say it like that, but they eat human beings. This is like something else. They eat human beings. So when you see them, and if they don't want to procreate with you, don't let them take a bite out of you either. This is like, y'all, this is like the craziest thing to me. And I think God is revealing this stuff to me again, like reminding me of these things that I have read before in the Bible. It's like refreshing my memory, saying to me the time is near now. It's closer now. And I feel like my heart is being prepared for what it is that I'm going to see. And I don't want to see nothing like this. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. They say ignorance is bliss. And there's like 10% of me that says, I would love to be ignorant in this case. Excuse me. I don't want to know what a Nephilim looks like. I don't want to know what's coming out of the artificial lights. I don't know. I don't want to know what's in the mountains. Verse 29, the Amalekites are dwelling in the land of the Negev and the Hittites and the Jubasites and the Amorites are dwelling in the mountainous regions and the Canaanites are dwelling by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. Then Caleb tried to steal the people toward Moses and went on to say, let us go up directly. And we are bound to take possession of it because we can surely prevail over it. So this is also telling me also that God has sent these people, the Israelites, to some land where they were supposed to be at. But there was something else in that land who took over the land that were not supposed to be there from the beginning. And Israel is a specific tribe. Moses led Israel. And they were of a specific tribe. So, as I have mentioned in previous podcasts, you're going to feel like a pull where God is going to pull you closer to your lineage, to your culture, to your heritage, because it's part of your tribe. And God wants you in alignment with the truth and not man-made religion.
there is a specific place where God will be calling people back to their original land. And here in this passage, we can see that they're saying we got to get these, you know, Nephilims and the Amorites and the Canaanites and everybody else that's there. We got to get them off of our land, off of our prophesied place. But these things are taller and stronger. How are we going to do that? Let us go to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Because we're looking at who's the Anakite? The Anak. I always pronounce that wrong. Please excuse me. Who is the Anaks? Well, we know they're the Nephilims. But we want to know a little bit more about the sons of Anak, who was the Nephilims. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 28, but I'm going to start at verse 27. And you kept grumbling in your tents and saying, It was because God hated us that he brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites to annihilate us. Where are we going up? Our brothers have caused our hearts to melt, saying, A people greater and taller than we are, cities great and fortified to the heavens, and also the sons of the Anakim we saw there. So I said to you, You must not suffer a shock. Or be afraid because of them. And when I read this, I thought about how we're in the season, March of 2023, where God is testing people's faith. Because for some of us, he's going to tell us that we're going to have to pick up our things and move. And he's going to tell it to us at the last minute. And he's going to tell you where you need to go and where you're going to settle at as you go along. So your faith is being tested now. How well do you trust God? How well do you trust your own intuition? How well do you trust the gifts that God have blessed you with? How well do you trust them? Excuse me. So if God tell you to move, you need to move. It's for your safety at the end of the day. There's a promise at your prophesied place in your original homeland that God wants to give you. He made a, a, a covenant with your tribe. And part of the way that he wants to keep his covenant and his promise to the seed of your, your ancestors is by bringing you back to your original land and bringing you back to your original tribe. But the people, they didn't really trust God. They didn't see the point of what it was that they were going through. So God said, you grump, you're grumbling, but don't be shocked. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared of them. Do not suffer. Don't make your own self suffer. Just trust that God knows what he's talking about and trust that knows, trust that God knows what it is that he's doing. But right now, while for those of us that are in the United States, anyway, not too much is happening right now. We're not in a civil war. We're not in a nuclear war. You know, we're not experiencing anything. Most of us can go to sleep in safety at night because nothing is happening as of yet. 
But when the time comes, you have to know that God is speaking to you. And you have to know that when God tells you to move in that very moment that he tells you, pick up your things and go, you know that you have to pick it up and go and not question him and, and say, God, I just sat down and ate. God, I just want to sleep another five minutes. Mm-mm. Excuse me. You got to get up right then and there and you got to go. Those precious few moments is what's going to help you. Let us go to, excuse me, um, I'm so parched. And I was saying to myself, why didn't I get a glass of water before I had even sat down? Deuteronomy chapter 9. I'm going to start from verse 1 and go to verse 3. So what I previously read was Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 27 and 28. Well, 27 to 29, excuse me. And so we're going to read again, because we're looking at who's the sons of Anak, which we know uh, are the Nephilims. Hear, O Israel, you are today crossing the Jordan to go in and dispossess nations greater and mightier than you, cities great and fortified to the heavens. A people great and tall, the sons of Anakim, about whom you yourself have known and you yourself have heard it said, who can make a firm stand before the sons of Anak? And you well know today that God, your God, is crossing before you. A consuming fire he is. And he will annihilate them, and he himself will subdue them before you, and you must dispossess them and destroy them speedily, just as God has spoken to you. So this is saying to me, when I read this, that God has already defeated the Nephilims, the people that are already on the land that aren't supposed to be there, the land that God is going to give to you and your tribe, God has already defeated them. He's going to let you do your part so that you can have that experience to build your faith. So when he say, go to the left, excuse me, I go to the right, stop and go, you know that you are in good hands. When you're dealing with God. Israel again is a tribe. And Israel had to live a certain lifestyle. And there was things that Israel had to do and not do. And certain days and certain times of the year that they had to observe as tradition, as part of their culture. So you yourself are going to get instructions from God concerning your tribe, your lineage, and your culture that you are to observe. And the more you put this into practice, the more you'll see God leading you in the direction of peace, safety, um, provision, and abundance. He'll even fight your enemies for you. And your enemies can't beat God. It doesn't matter if they don't believe that God exists. They can't beat God. The other thing that I've noticed um, in Deuteronomy 9 was that God was telling Israel... You have heard of the, either you have one, heard of the Nephilims before. So it's not new to you when you do see them. Or number two, you knew them already. You've seen something already. So there's no reason for you to fear 
especially with God reassuring you that he's the one that's going to defeat them. He's the one that's going to defeat them. You just got to come in and hurl their candy asses off of them. <laughs> I shouldn't cut, excuse me. For God to say you've either heard of the Nephilims, the artificial lights, or for him to say that you already saw them, you knew them. This tells me that we will see this in our lifetime. Deuteronomy 9 Deuteronomy 1, Numbers 13, Genesis 6, we're going to see this play out in our lifetime. These words are going to come to life and manifest. So now that we know that the Nephilims are tall and attractive and they want to procreate, or they want to eat you like you are some steamed vegetables with, you know, fish. And that there's nothing for you to be afraid of. And that you got to follow your culture and your tribe. We're going to move to the complete book, Apocrypha. Testament of Abraham. I'm going to chapter 16. Excuse me. Now this one, I'm going to enjoy reading for the second time because I never knew such a thing had even existed. This is not in the regular Bible. And this is why I like the Apocrypha. Let us read. Then the Most High said, Call to me here, death. That is called the shameless countenance and the pitiless look. Sorry, excuse me. And Michael, the incorporeal, went and said to death, Come here. The Lord of creation, the immortal king, calls you. And death, hearing this, shivered and trembled, being possessed with great terror, and coming with great fear, it stood before the invisible Father, shivering, groaning, and trembling, awaiting the command of the Lord. Therefore the invisible God said to death, Come here, you bitter and fierce name of the world. Hide your fierceness, Cover your corruption and cast away your bitterness from you and put on your beauty and all your glory and go down to my friend Abraham and take him and bring him to me. Mm -hmm. But now also I tell you not to terrify him. But bring him with fair speech, for he is my own friend. Having heard this, death went out from the presence of the Most High and put on a robe of great brightness and made his appearance like the sun and became fair and beautiful above the sons of men, assuming the form of a chief messenger, having his cheeks flaming with fire and he departed to Abraham now the righteous Abraham went out of his chamber and sat under the trees of Mamre holding his chin in his hand and awaiting the coming of the chief messenger Michael and behold a smell of sweet fragrance came to him and a flashing of light, and Abraham turned and saw death coming toward him in great glory and beauty. And Abraham arose and went to meet him, thinking that it was the chief captain of God. And death beholding him saluted him, saying, Rejoice, precious Abraham, 
righteous soul, true friend of the Most High God, and companion of the holy messengers. Abraham said to death, Greetings, you of appearance and form, like the sun, most glorious helper, bringer of light, wondrous man. From where does your glory come to us? And who are you? And from where do you come? Then death said, Most righteous Abraham, behold, I tell you the truth. I am the bitter lot of death. Abraham said to him, No, but you are the comeliness of the world. You are the glory and beauty of messengers and men. You are fairer in form than every other. And you say, I am the bitter lot of death, and not rather, I am fairer than every good thing. Death said, I tell you the truth. What the Lord has named me, that also I tell you. Abraham said, Why have you come here? Death said, I have come for your holy soul. Then Abraham said, I know what you mean, but I will not go with you. And death was silent and did not answer him a word. Chapter 17 Then Abraham arose and went into his house, and death also accompanied him there. And Abraham went up to his chamber, and death went up with him. And Abraham lay down on his couch, and death came and sat by his feet. And Abraham said, Depart, depart from me, for I desire to rest on my couch. Death said, I will not depart until I take your spirit from you. Abraham said to him, By the immortal God, I charge you to tell me the truth. Are you death? Death said to him, I am death. I am the destroyer of the world. Abraham said, I implore you, since you are death, tell me if you come thus to all in such fairness and glory and beauty. Death said, No, my Lord Abraham, for your righteousness and the boundless sea of your hospitality and the greatness of your love toward God has become a crown on my head. And in beauty and great peace and gentleness I approach the righteous. But to sinners I come in great corruption and fierceness and the greatest bitterness and with fierce and pitiless look. Abraham said, I implore you, listen to me and show me your fierceness and all your corruption and bitterness. And death said, you cannot behold my fierceness, most righteous Abraham. Abraham said, yes, I will be able to hold all your fierceness by means of the name of the living God. For the might of my God that is in heaven is with me. Then death put off all his comeliness and beauty and all his glory and the form like the sun with which he was clothed. And he put on himself a tyrant's robe and made his appearance gloomy and fiercer than all kind of wild beasts and more unclean than all uncleanness. And he showed to Abraham seven fiery heads of serpents and fourteen faces, one of flaming fire and of great fierceness, and a face of darkness, and a most gloomy face of a viper, and a face of a most terrible piece. I can't say that word, please forgive me, and a face fiercer than an asp, and a face of a terrible lion, and a face of a carousets and ballistic. He showed him also a face of a fiery 
semiator, and a sword-bearing face, and a face of lightning, lightning terribly, and a noise of dreadful thunder. He also showed him another face of a fierce stormy sea, and a fierce rushing river, and a terrible three-headed serpent, and a cup mingled with poisons. And in short, he showed to him great fierceness and unendurable bitterness, and every mortal disease as of the odor of death. And from a great bitterness and fierceness there died servants and maidservants in number about seven thousand. And the righteous Abraham came into indifference of death, so that his spirit failed him. Chapter 18 And the all-holy Abraham, seeing these things thus, said to death, I implore you, all-destroying death, hide your fierceness and put on your beauty and the shape which you had before. And immediately death hid his fierceness and put on his beauty which he had before. And Abraham said to death, Why have you done this, that you have slain all my servants and maidservants? Has God sent you here for this end this day? Death said, No, my lord Abraham, it is not as you. But on your account I was sent here. Abraham said to death, How then have these died? Has the Lord not spoken it? Death said, Believe, most righteous Abraham, that this is also wonderful, that you also were not taken away with them. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, for if the right hand of God had not been with you at that time, you also would have had to depart from this life. The righteous Abraham said, Now I know that I have come into indifference with death, so that my spirit fails. But I implore you, all destroying death, since my servants have died before their time, come, let us pray to the Lord our God, that he may hear us and raise up those who died by the fierceness before their time. And death said, Amen, be it so. Therefore Abraham arose and fell on the face of the ground into prayer and death together with him. And the Lord sent a spirit of life on those that were dead and they were made alive again. Then the righteous Abraham gave glory to God. Excuse me. And the word of the Lord is blessed. What I find most interesting about all of that is how the spirit was petrified of God. And this is why I always tell you guys to put God first. I don't care if it's an ancestor, a mother nature, a fairy. I don't care who you call on. All of that stuff is none of my business. What I will tell you is that no matter who it is, the devil, the spirit, the ancestor, they all have to subject themselves to God. They know who he is. They know how powerful he is. If death itself was petrified of God, how much more would a spirit be? Uh, would the ancestors be? How much more? Oh no. I'm sorry, I found something that says Revelation of Abraham. And we just read the Testament of Abraham. But I'm going to come and dig into this a little more. Excuse me. A little bit more. Um. The other thing that I've come to recognize is how God gave the spirit of death the power to transform itself into attractiveness. 
And that's exactly what it did. So if God can give the spirit of death the power to change itself into attractiveness, do you think that the Nephilims or whatever it is that is in artificial light has the supernatural ability to shapeshift? Do you think that the enemy, I'm going to say that the enemy can give power to these entities so that they can shape shift? You really have to be dis discerning um, in this hour for what is to come. You have to practice and strengthen your discernment now so that when prayerfully you don't see this but in the event that you do you know that on the inside of what looks beautiful on the outside is something grotesque it's not your friend it's not here to help you it's not here to save you it's here in an attempt to take you out the Bible said I want to eat you like you're corn on the cob. <laughs> I don't mean to make a joke like that. <laughs> they want to chew on you like you're a french fry or procreate with you. If death can change forms, if Michael the archangel can go and get the spirit of death and the spirit of death has to submit itself to Michael the Archangel. When these beings that are in the mountains already on the earth and coming to the earth, these fallen angels coming to the earth, excuse me, won't they have to subject themselves or submit themselves to God and to archangels? So if God is going to defeat them on behalf of Israel or wouldn't they be defeated like if you want to run them off of your land to keep them away from you won't they have to listen to God in fear and trembling the apocrypha said uh, death the corruptible one that stink Okay, because these entities, are, they're going to stink. That's another way for you to discern what you're in front of. They, they look like a person in front of you, you know, six, seven feet tall, however tall they are, but they stink. You know what that reminded me of when I read that? You know, there's some people that when it rains, they smell very, very different. Like a wet dog. That's what the testament of Abraham reminded me of. How is some people will smell like wet dog when it rains. That's something to use to discern what type of entity are you in front of. When you smell a spirit that is not of God, it will stink. I remember, I'm going to say this um, really quickly and then get off of this podcast. I remember um, just going for a walk and it was a beautiful day. Um, nobody was really outside. I was smelling this awful smell. And I was like, oh God, where's that smell coming from? There's nothing and no one outside. Like the birds are chirping, what's going on? What's that smell? And then all of a sudden the car came and turned down a block and the closer it got to me the more I smelled that stench now the person that was in the car was not an Israelite and they had their window rolled up but I could smell that stench coming from off of them and I heard my spirit say to me spirit of lust that thing smells so bad. Demons stink. Demons stink. 
these entity things, Nephilim thingies, whatever, they're going to stink. And anything that's just not going to be of God is just going to, it's just going to be like a, a ungodly smell. Also, you should know, like, just how the Bible says the devil, the devil, excuse me, will disguise himself as an angel of light. That's another indicator to you to be discerning. Because if the spirit of death can disguise himself as the sun, these beings or entities, whatever they are, surely they have the power to do the same thing. Surely they know something to where they can just morph themselves into your fantasy. I think this is going to be a time where you're going to have to remember if it's too good to be true, it probably is. You know what type of luck you have. And if you know this man or this woman whom is your fantasy, but you typically don't be with anyone that is your fantasy, and all of a sudden, and then they stink, they have a stench on top of that, fairly good looking, your, your pants are starting to do all type of stuff down in your little crotch area, and you know good, well, that typically don't happen to you, but all of a sudden, and then they stink, you might want to be discerning. You might want to be discerning. The other thing that I've come to notice in this, excuse me, Testament of Abraham is that even death had to submit itself to Abraham. It couldn't just snatch Abraham up. Because God gave it instructions. He said, don't harm him. That's my friend. So if you're God's friend, and God gives whomever or whatever any, uh, some instructions to not harm you, they're not going to be able to harm you. But you'll be able to cause it to submit to you to do what you tell it to do. And that's something to kind of know and hold on to for spiritual warfare because we got to remember that Pluto rules the eighth house and the eighth house is sex and is bisexuality it's sex magic it is witchcraft and the energy that's going to be coming onto this earth the energy that will be entering into our lives is going to have a very strong pull on human beings in a sexual nature by appealing to you according to your desire. You're really going to have to practice sexual self-control. You're really going to have to know what is sex magic so that you can fight against it? You have to really be sitting in the presence of God so that you won't be deceived. Don't get God. That is the title of this podcast. By reading all of that that I wanted to share with you, don't get God. We started off with Genesis chapter 6, verse 4. We went to Numbers chapter 13, verse 28 through 33. We went to Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 27 through 29. Then we went to Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 1 through three and then we came with the apocrypha 
um, the Testament of Abraham, chapter 16 through 18. And so we've learned the different forms and uh, shapes and different things, you know, about these entities. And we kind of couple that with astrology so that we can be well equipped and well informed and in a position to where we can prepare our hearts for what's to come and we have instructions on what to do and what's the instruction put God first be discerning don't get God sexually don't procreate with these beings for some you already knew them for some you have already heard of them the other thing is we're going to see this in our lifetime. The other thing is that these things can shape shift. They can seduce us sexually. They can do sex magic. They can do witchcraft. They can put spells on people. But God said in his word, God said in his word that he will defeat them. But you must be in the presence of God and you must put God first above all things. And remember these nasty little demon thingies, whatever is in the artificial light, they can appear as an angel of light, much like the Bible says the devil does. So you don't want to get God. Also, excuse me. Um, you'll get more information, whether it's from your spiritual team, your ancestors, God, whoever, um, that it's time for you to get to know your lineage, your culture a little bit more, um, because you're going to come into alignment with your tribe. Um, prepare yourself and know that God is going to take you from out of the city that you're in, or he's going to take you out of the state that you're in and bring you to the place where you are originally supposed to be. So all of your attachments that you have to your material things, you might want to start detaching yourself mentally and emotionally from your favorite pair of shoes and your favorite handbag and your favorite coat and your TV. You might want to start detaching from that. All right, you guys, I thank you for spending almost an hour with me. I hope that you learned much and that you have gleaned much from this. I'm going to go get myself something to drink. <laughs> Shalom, you guys.